Hello and welcome. With Nash's departure to the land of green and gold, it's time for a new era on Switchit. We thought about hanging up his microphone, but unfortunately the budget doesn't quite stretch. Anyway, I'm Alan Gardner and I promise to go big or go home. We're going to play all the shots, possibly at the same time, and if that means occasionally getting thrashed by 200 runs, then so be it. That's as far as the personnel changes go, however, as I'm joined by a couple of Switch Hit Hall of Famers, still two of the first names on the pod team sheet. Andrew Miller is now free to spread his desk detritus as he pleases, given all that's left next to him is a framed photo of Mike Atherton. Well, Mark Butcher is back from a spell as a radio weatherman out in Sri Lanka. Uh, tell us, Butch, when is the monsoon season in that part of the world? Uh, it's still coming, uh, I believe. Um, this is the second monsoon, as far as I know. The first one comes uh, from, the, the, from the south. Um, the second one comes across from the Bay of Bengal. And at the moment, they're, sort of, they're, they're kissing each other on the way past. People, um, I hope we're queuing all this up on the green screen. Truly, <laughs> truly the greatest time um, to have any sort of cricket tour uh, if you're interested in a little bit of early morning sunbathing um, and the odd round of golf. But when it comes to cricket, <laughs> forget it. Just don't do it. Don't bother. Scheduling. Don't get upset if you spent money on a ticket to go and watch England play in Sri Lanka um, and you don't see any. Because quite frankly, that was always going to happen. Yes, uh, uh, there had been some rain forecast, I think. <laughs> um, it may have been wetter than SpongeBob SquarePants shower mat uh, during the limited overs leg of the tour, uh, but England managed to keep up their run of success. Uh, Miller taking the ODI Series 3-1 and winning the one-off T20. But uh, did we learn much beyond the continuing excellence of Sri Lankan groundsmen? Uh, no. I mean, we, we kind of knew that England are pretty good at one-day cricket, and they did as much as they needed to in the circumstances. It would have been nice to see them have to carry on their style of cricket all the way through a 50-over game rather than get to a point where a DL cut-off was sufficient and they could they could win it, because, you know, one of the few that, that did go any sort of distance, they got hammered in. But, you know, let's let's gloss over that. That happens to England. Where that, that, again, is nothing new. So we didn't learn that either, that every now and again England are, are a team that can skid spectacularly off the rails. Uh, to be fair, Sri Lanka did play out their skins in that one game, but uh, you know, there were, I suppose the one key thing that came out of it from uh, from an overarching perspective was uh, reinforcing Owen Morgan's absolute fundamental importance to to the team. Uh, I've never understood why people think that there's there's justification in saying that you can just rip off the. The, the head of the most important captain England have got in any format at the moment and say that the team will carry on functioning. Uh, we saw that's not the case and mm. his own runs were fundamental to England's success. So, yeah, well, yeah, well it is. What's that? Because sometimes he doesn't sing the national anthem. People don't <laughs> like that very much. Um, yeah. But yeah, mate, you, you couldn't uh, be, uh, be more correct. Know, that's uh, in the job description, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the, difference between, the difference between the side in the field when he was out there um, and when he was not was, was, uh, was so palpable. And he talked br- very briefly, but before the series, uh, I think, in an interview with Sky, that the theoretical question of dropping, him, dropping himself at a World Cup, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that question's a, been probably there's answered. A sort of, there's, a, there's a modesty in that. Um, he also batted brilliantly, let's mm-hmm. forget, in the, in the series. And, um, you know, he just, he knits the whole thing together. I mean, that, the team in, the, in the, the 50 overs that they got through in the final match in, uh, in Colombo, um, you know, they were shouting at each other, misfields. There was all kinds of sort of uh, ill discipline going out there on the field that hadn't 
happened at, at any point mm. um, prior to that on the tour. And a trip where you could very easily have excused the team from, from completely losing the, their minds, um, being that they couldn't, couldn't practice, couldn't train, could barely get out on the golf course. They played a few good games of football. Um, but, but other than that, you know, it was 20 odd, no, it was longer than for them. I was out there for 20 days and for the five one day internationals, but they'd been out there for 10 days prior to that and could barely and get didn't out play there. much cricket no, that time either. Didn't, no, didn't at all, did they? So, um, so you could excuse them their attitude for slipping. It didn't until the one game that Owen wasn't out there in the park and then they looked like a rabble. Uh, they did, you know, they made a lot of changes. Sam Curran got a debut. What, what it, what we did learn was that by and large you could name their best 12 um, and that there's going to be a massive scrap for the three places um, to get into the squad but England's best 12 I think is pretty much nailed in, uh, set in stone um, you know dependent on fitness I think it, now importantly I think the the, the, the guys who are scrapping for those places recognise that as well. Mark Wood was quite honest about it when he mm. finally got his opportunity saying, look, realistically I'm mm. playing for one of four places here. Mm. There's one spare Seamus position up for grabs. Liam Blunkett's a shoe-in, as we saw another guy who came mm. in late because of his wedding mm. and, you know, he didn't have his best input, but what he did provide was was what we knew he would, that hard-hitting length mid- midway and through. And he's done it for a... He's done it he's before, done, he he'll do it, it again. For a long time. He's, he is the one guy, I reckon, the one bloke who who might just need to need to really kind of push incredibly hard between now and the World Cup simply because at his age um, if he, he goes a long enough time without playing or without mm. bowling or whatever he's on the wrong side of his best Liam mm. Plunkett mm. which doesn't mean he's not good enough to get into the side but it does mean that, that there were p- people snapping at his heels harder than there are anybody else's so he may be the one guy with, with stone and wood both kind of coming up behind him whose role may um, be in jeopardy however don't underestimate the fact that he has done it over such a long period of time so well and what is a crucial period of the game for England in the field that sort of you know, mid-lobus well exactly yeah. we saw Ollie Stone had a, a sort of encouraging start yeah. um, bowling with the new ball bowling with pace but then it's that middle overs uh, yeah. uh, wicket taking <laughs> ability that Plunkett really offers yeah. so they're, they're actually quite different they are, they're, they are different roles but I can, you know again does Ollie, would Ollie Stone get the new ball with England's number one sort of outfit out there on the park? Mm. Perhaps mm. not. Yeah. So you know, it, it, there are, there, as I said, there are probably three spots um, up for grabs in that uh, in that fifty. Um, but encouraging to see uh, Ollie Stone in action in English uh, after what we've heard about his uh, his pace and all oh, that. Completely. Sort of I mean, you know that that one. The, I think he only got the one wicket, but it, what a wicket! You know that that banter that just yeah. just just, just climbed a, climbed from a from a not even a particularly short length, just vicious. It was it was proper pace, and that's the sort of thing that you know we we didn't see a single delivery like that from any England bowler during the Ashes, for instance, let alone a one the international. So you know mm. you're bound to get excited about that sort of thing. Again. We saw as as the series wore on for him that perhaps you know the raw pace is matched by just rawness overall. Mm. He doesn't have the the game savvy that Plunkett brings to it, or for for that matter, Tom Curran, a completely different type of bowler, but a guy who I think mm. is completely switched on, completely ready to drop into any given role um, if the opportunity does arise. Because whether he can make the first choice eleven at the moment is is, is moot, <clears throat> but these are good problems to have. England or England in one day cricket as as we, the first question was, have we learned anything? No, we know they're a good one day one day side. We know they've got a couple of places up for grabs, and we still know that. So you know they've they've done as much as they could in in a very soggy few weeks. And and they finished it off. Uh, uh 
dodging the rain again, uh, winning the T20. Probably the most notable aspect of that was uh, Joe Denley's epic journey back to England colours uh, w- would have been a tested the resolve of Odysseus himself uh, <laughs> uh, almost nine years uh, out of out of uh, action Absolutely. and then he comes back man of the match performance yeah I mean the, the, to go back to Denley I mean the, what a what a what a story he's had given that you know England famously have only got one piece of ICC silverware uh, was the world t20 in 2010. And that was the that was the series that came immediately after his final appearance for England in any format. He played. Uh, I was out there actually in Dubai in uh, a very nondescript stopover for England on the way to Bangladesh. He, uh, England played two two games against Pakistan. One one lost one. Were thoroughly mediocre in both. Uh, and there was this sudden realization that opening the batting with Trot and Denley was not going to work. Down the road, the Lions were practicing in Abu Dhabi. They gave England an absolute caning. In their, in their warm-up game. In comes the two guys who delivered the caning, Lum and Kiesweta, who both made their own, their T20 debuts in the World T20 and the rest is history. So, you know, to go from that sort of, the finality of Denley's drop kicking out of the squad, not just being dropped, but saying, you know what, you're just, you're simply not fit for purpose for what we're about to go and do, i.e. win our first global trophy. And then to come back nine years later and, and be man of the match. It's a, it's a wonderful story, whether it's a one-off or, or the start of something beautiful, who knows. But, I mean, it's the start of something beautiful for English leg spin butch, Rashid <laughs> and Denley. Uh, seven, seven wickets between them, I yeah. think it was in that yeah, game. Yeah, incredible. Uh, Chris Jordan made the made the, the long journey out there to, to yep. play in a one-off T20 game. Also, also did uh, did himself uh, did himself proud. So, yeah, I mean, terrific, but I mean, pointless. <laughs> it's a pointless match. There, well, there might have been ranking points, but that's about it. We're, yeah. we're still we're two years away from a World T20, of course. So, um, yeah, five wet ODIs and uh, and one T20, and then well, on to the to the Red Bull stuff. Um, the limited overs uh, uh, leg was was perhaps always likely to be a bit mismatched, given um, well, England's still frankly quite surprising dominance, uh, uh, and the fact Sri Lanka are, are pretty low ebb uh, in that form of the game. They're certainly ODIs. But the tests are likely to be a different matter. Uh, this could be the point that the tour gets tasty. Um, England are just completing the second of back-to-back two-day warm-up matches in Colombo before heading to Gaul for the first test, which starts on Tuesday. Um, how do you think England is shaping up uh, in that regard, Butch? <laughs> Big question. I have absolutely no idea. Um, spend. 45 minutes before we came in to do the pod trying to work out what the likely 11 is going to be for Gaul I've, I've got nowhere beyond the fact that Joe Root and Jimmy Anderson and, and Josh Joe Root captain play. you think, uh, I think Joe, <laughs> Joe might captain the side Jimmy might bat 11 I mean, I'm pretty certain of that um, you know the, the warm ups have been farcical um, and would have been regardless of sort of the weather um, yeah. you know two two day games with a what a day or two days in between, not even that. just back to back, straight to back to back. Why, why would you do that? Why would you not play a four-day match with, you know, with with a wearing pitch and, and two innings yeah. and all of the stuff that you get in first class and, and test match yeah. cricket? Other um, than that, you, well, obviously you can change players, you can throw in players, can't you? In this situation, which is presumably what um, well, Duncan Fletcher's preferred well, approach to things, of, but this is part of the part of the reason. That, that makes any kind of warm-up game farcical. Yes, of course, you know, the time is limited and tours don't last six months in the way that they're used to. Therefore, the thing that has to give is always um, practice matches. But if you're only going to have 
four days worth of, of first-class cricket is a practice match, you might as well play a proper four-day game, right? Mm. I mean, and if and if they can do some sort of wrangling whereby you maybe be able to sub one player in for the second innings over, then fine. But this idea that the entire squad gets a run out, you don't even play a proper match. Mm. Um, it doesn't do anybody any favours. It's a complete and utter waste of time for everyone. Yes, one, one or two get a few overs in their legs, one or two get a bit of time out in the middle. But it's, you know, you may as well have just had nets. Seriously, you might as well have had nets, a few catches. As long as it's not raining, of course. A bit of PlayStation, and and you'd have been ready, as ready as you would be for this. That first uh, day uh, of warm-ups, Miller, England played three keepers. Uh, one before lunch, yeah, right, I mean, one, one after, and one in the evening session. Yeah, Ollie Pope getting a, getting a, <laughs> getting a gig. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, you fly Ben folks just all in the way case out. you're back up. Fly Ben folks all the way out to Sri Lanka, <laughs> saying, "Here you go, folks. Here, this might be a big chance." And then his his whippersnapper teammate pops up with the gloves after after tea. He's like, what, what, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> it's like you know, a bit baffled. But then, who? What, as as Butch says, what on earth do you read into that? I mean, one of the weirdest things about. The, the way that England went about their formatting for this um, these two matches was that they chose not to play Joe Le- jo- Jack Leach in that first game, despite mm-hmm. the fact he's clearly one of the one of the guys they want to find out the most about. And then suddenly it rains on day three, i.e. day day one of the one game that he does play. So he <laughs> he's sat there twiddling his thumbs again, thinking, "Well, is, have has my chance of mm. playing a Test debut been blown out of the water?" As it happens, he's bowled well today uh, by all accounts. Um, so yes, looks tidily so, enough. Uh, and one, th- one thing you know, particularly going into the first test match in Gaul, with, with it being Herat's last test match, um, the ground that he's taken a gazillion wickets at, you know, and, and the pitch turns anyway. It might turn a bit. It might, might turn a lot. <laughs> so there's a very good chance that England you know, will, will feel um, that, they can, that they can get three spinners in. You know, who knows where they'll, how they'll use Moe and Ali. Is, is Moe going to bat at three? Has Joe Denley sort of blown his chance of being top order and, a, and you know a, a fourth spin option? Um, potentially not. If England are going to get three three quicks in um, and three spinners in, then the likelihood is that Mo will have to bat in the top somewhere in the top five. Um, but I suppose they could leave Rashid out and play Leach instead of him, or play Leach instead you know or play Rash instead of Leach. I don't know. Moeen, well, all we know is that Moeen is a cert. <laughs> um, you know, we're steadily getting. We've got we've got Cook, we've got Anderson, Bowen's probably in. Definitely that, not. Sorry, Cook. Root. Uh, yeah, one thing I've written down here is no Cook, no cook. which is what I'm so, looking I at. Mean, you know, looks, um, it looks as though Rory Burns is going to make his debut. Keaton Jennings will, will probably hang on to to his place at the at the top of the order. Um, and then what you've got? You've got Stokes, Butler. Butler will keep because of, because of Johnny's injury. Um, does that mean that Ollie Pope gets a chance to, to reprise um, his role in England's middle, middle order, probably at number five this time, as opposed to four in the in the summer? I, d- I don't know. I've kind of been writing them down. You, yeah. you had a go as well. I, I'd be, I yeah. prefer Denley, personally. I, well, I think. Denley's played, of of the, the two innings England have played, uh, they've played a top three of yeah, no cook anymore. Rory Burns has come in and, and done OK. Keaton Jennings has done OK. And, and Joe Denley at number three. T- scores a 25 and, and naught, and, and his bowling's been uh, given a bit of tap as well. Yeah. But, uh, but it looks like England were at least moving in that direction of Denley at three. I, th- I think Denley probably because not not least because he's had a 
the one advantage from getting out early for the ODIs is he's had a decent look at the conditions. That, okay, they're slightly different, but you know they, he has he has got a bit of time under under, under his belt. I mean, Ollie Pope yeah. has got his second ball duck this morning, as did Denny for that matter. Mm. But but I, again, going back to going back to the, the whether he's a whether he's a legitimate option. If this pitch at Gaul is going to spin, the one thing that you do find on on spinning decks is that the the, the difference between good bowlers and not so good bowlers does seem to contract. I, I always think back to. Um, what was it Mumbai out in um, on on the India tour of uh, Australia's tour of India in in 2004 when Michael Clark took six for nine? You know they they set up this yeah. deck to 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 obliterate uh, Australia and they actually brought Australia back into into contention rather. Yeah, yeah. you know these, these, this this could Dean be Dean Elgar doing sort of similar a, a yeah. few years ago when South Africa yeah. were getting spun out. Precisely. So, so you know if Den, if, Denny is, la- if Denny can land him and that's one thing he proved he could do. He wasn't telling them he, his four for the other day in the in the T20 was not bought from massive ripping deliveries. It was bought from a good length. It was just lobbed um, up so uh, on the stumps. If he gets a good length and it rags, he's he's, he's in the game. So. I still think he's a legitimate option. Whether that means they they play him as well as mm. a third spinner, is well, I, I, I think you can. I mean, th- I think you can if if Joe bats at three. Which I can't, when I left Sri Lanka after the one day internationals, I, my feeling was that he was he had a really good chance of playing batting yeah. at three. Um, Stanley at three, and then Joe, and then Root Joe at, four. at four, and then Mo, probably Moeen at five, Stokes six, Butler seven, and then you've got room. Still, with four four players left, to have two two quicks, yeah, and and another two and spinners, two spinners in there. Yeah. So Rashid and Leach can both can both get in that side. And then the question is, which which of the of the the seat, presuming does, Stokes does, is fit to bowl, Anderson at number eleven. Then you've got a toss up: Broad, Stone, Curran, Wokes. Exactly, and, and the, so the, this is something that's been floated. Dropping Stuart Broad is that is that a, a route you think uh, uh, England might I think go? It's down definitely there? on the cards. Um, I just wonder whether man with four hundred and thirty-three tests. It's ludicrous, uh, isn't it? But it's definitely on the cards. I mean, he's he's not been at his best in in Asian conditions for a while now. Uh, in a way that Anderson people criticise him for his record abroad. But one the one thing he does do, he doesn't get tap. I mean, Broad. Broad, Broad. I think in the UAE, he's been he and Anderson were particularly uh, constraining. But between them, neither of them seem to pick up the, the the wickets in Asian conditions that 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 you would hope from your frontline pairing. So do England? I guess the where this leads is do England throw in stone as an extra pace who can force an opening, mm-hmm. or do they go down the current route of having a, a sort of left arm medium bit like Jaminda Vass? Create some rough for the spinners, dibble away. Probably more yeah. likely to get a bit of swing. Score a few runs as well. Score a few runs as well. It's it's a really really it's a really tricky one. But you know the the point is both him and Wokes at this stage of their careers are better batsmen than Broad. And it does seem increasingly that England are heading down that route that lets us get batting depth first and foremost because we don't trust our top order batsmen. But that's another thing. The rise of the all rounders. (laughs) Well, I've been agonising over this piece for weeks. (laughs) I mean, trying to to get the pitch it right. But (laughs) if it were if if it were me, I would go okay. We've got at least three spin bowlers in in the lineup. We're expecting the pitch to turn. The seamers aren't going to do an enormous amount of work, so we want three three of them to to offer us as as many different things as, as we possibly can. Now, I, I watched Sam bowl in the in in the ODI, and you know that the, the lack of pace again, which whilst it's not everything, if the ball isn't going to swing at all, then then you've got a real real mm. problem. Um, and he's not going to. I don't think he's going to be asked to bowl enough to kind of make it worth his while. 
players that batter all day long. Yeah. Mm. So I, I'd go with Stone simply because he's hardly going to bowl anyway. You know, you might have a quick burst with a new ball, four overs, five overs, yep. tops, and then he'll be grazing until much later on in the piece if the ball reverse swings or until the, the next new ball comes around. So at least if you're going to throw the ball to somebody, throw the ball to somebody that can, that can rip people out mm-hmm. um, in, over a very short space of time. Um, you know, and, and that way you've kind of, you've, you've gained nothing, you've lost nothing by him playing. Um, I know he doesn't offer anything else with the bat, but for goodness sake, you know, we've got nine, nine other guys who can, who can handle themselves with the bat. Well, so that's what I would do, in, in just, just in order that you've got a wild, you've got something up your sleeve that nobody else can do for you, which is, which is raw pace. And, uh, there doesn't seem to be room in, in much of this thinking for, uh, Ben folks, but obviously with, Bearstow, we talked about playing football. They got uh, got a bit of that in during the one-day series, it. but <laughs> but uh, it, it has cost them uh, their keeper uh, yeah. uh, strained ankles, uh, strained ankle ligaments, and it looks like he's not really going to be in, in uh, shape to play. Butler then steps up, but folks is out there. Is uh, it sounds yeah. like England, the England management are keen on playing uh, uh, Ben Folks, but uh, is there is there room for him? Well, it's a weird one with Ben Folks. I I sometimes wonder. I mean. There's so much emphasis to stay on, on multi-skilling and trying to make sure that you get as much out of each of your players as possible. But at the moment, the two, two players who arguably are, are being encouraged to, well, one is definitely being encouraged to do less, i.e. Bairstow, stop faffing around with the gloves, be a proper batsman. I sometimes wonder if folks would be better off saying, you know what, I'm not actually a wicketkeeper. I, I can do it well, but trust me as a batsman. <laughs> he's a really good wicketkeeper. Well, I know he is, but the point is he's not getting a look in because he's been considered as a wicketkeeper in, 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 in the top Top draw thinking, whereas I, I honestly think he would probably. He, be a he averages bat- forty in first class cricket. Yeah, I think he higher than Joe Denley. Correct. I mean, he, he, he could, he could make it. He could squeeze into the eleven if England decide not to, not to play three specialist spin bowlers. Mm. Mm. Or if, the, or if the, I would, I would think he's a better option than Pope. Frankly, I think Pope is a great one for the future. But what I saw of the summer, I thought you know he, he's prone to one too many loose shots. I'm, I'm not mm. sure. I'm not sure whether he's an obvious fit. Basically, what we're saying to you is we have no idea <laughs> what the 11 should be. And don't yeah. ever ask us again. <laughs> Noted. No, no clue. Uh, <laughs> but we've had fun chatting about it. <laughs> don't, don't pretend we haven't. Um, if England... Well, we're getting a bit ahead of my, myself here. But England, if England were to manage to win this series, they would move up to second in the test rankings. Um, but since they've not so much uh, as won a test overseas since uh, October 2016, uh, we should probably shelve that talk uh, for a bit. But last time England won in Sri Lanka, uh, 2000, uh, 2001, that, that winter tour, uh, that was one of Nasser Hussein's great triumphs and, mm. and a significant building block for his Both captaincy. Both sides of that, of that winter, wasn't it? Because they won in Pakistan. They won in Pakistan as well, yeah. I mean, um, obviously... Alistair Cook uh, has now retired completely. Uh, Roots, the first year of Roots' captaincy was kind of Cook was still in the side. But is this really a chance for him to to try and mould the team, stamp his own mark? Um, yes, um, I'm not sure it's quite the, the the opportunity he might have hoped for. I think I think realistically, this is one that he's got to put down to experience this winter. It, I think England could win it, but I also think that you've got to look at their past record overseas and recognise that they are a, a team of bits and pieces all rounders at the moment. I mean they're brilliant brilliant. Someone made the point that England may not know may not know whether they can win the series in Sri Lanka uh, this winter, but they would be brilliant at winning a one day series in nineteen ninety six at the moment with the side they've got. You know, they, <laughs> they they are absolutely absolutely stacked with, with all rounders who 
who could do a bit of a job in both disciplines, but maybe with the arguable exception of Ben Stokes, none of them are nailed on for both, or, or at least nailed on for one discipline. World class. World class uh, in one discipline, which is basically what, you know, you talk about Jack Callis or, or Gary, or, or um, Gary Sobers in, in batting, or Hadley in bowling, say. These are, these are the, uh, these are what, what you would have to look for in your, in your rounder. I don't think England got any of those. So, I don't know. I, I don't know whether Joe Root, as captain, quite has the handle on the side that he wants yet. Um, I think this winter will help him frame a few ideas. I think the, I like the way the squad was selected. I think the way that, uh, the thought that Ed Smith put into giving him as many options as possible was, was well thought out. He justified each one of his selections all the way through. The trouble is now you sort of dumped it on, on the plates of, of the guys out there saying, right, make some sense of this. So I've, I've thought it through. I've given you all the permutations you could possibly want. Find a combination that works. I'm not convinced he's going to find it this winter. Whether he can do it in the spring in, in, in the West Indies and then going to the Ashes, that, of course, is a completely different thing. And that could be the moment when he starts to shape his side. If he can win the series, it is an absolute, be an absolutely remarkable achievement. He really would. Because well, I mean, just just from the fact that you can't work out what the eleventh like to be, um, <laughs> suggests suggest that things are things are things are slightly um, awry. And in these conditions, we've you know, with arguably with kind of like a more experienced or with a, with a better um, with better personnel, better prepared um, personnel, we've come unstuck in the last two or three years in the UAE and India. Um, and so thinking that they're suddenly going to be able to turn that round in in Sri Lanka. Um, wow, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real big ask. It really is. This is, I mean, this is probably now Sri Lanka's uh, strongest format. They've won four of their last six series at home. They've beaten Australia and South Africa mm. um, since 2015. Only, only Pakistan uh, and India have won series. In I mean, Sri that, Lanka. that though is that though is where where we're really hedging England's prospects. And it's not that England are a good side ready to win in Sri Lanka. It's that Sri Lanka are a declining side ready to lose. You know, they're not they're not the team they used to be. They've not got Sangakara, Jaya Wardner, they're about to not have Harass. Uh, yeah. They're 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 in a little bit of uh, disarray off the field as well. There are there, there are opportunities there for England to to seize on a team that are in a bit of a funk. But that's not the same thing as saying that England are ready to win. By the winners will be the team who are least worst. Exactly, and I still think Sri Lanka is still always a good measuring stick, isn't it? Um, I mean, uh, uh, you mentioned Harath retiring, retiring after the first test, which is uh, interesting from the way the the perspective of a series. It sounds Uh, like there'd been some sort, you know, some sort of bartering because he'd been looking to give it away for quite some time now, and the the Sri Lankan board have managed to persuade him otherwise for, for for a little while. And finally, I think they've come up with a compromise that will, you know, you, you sign off at your your favourite ground, yeah, and um, you know we'll, we'll we'll let you wander off into the distance, and we'll make sure it rags. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> might be good for one or two wickets there. Mm, um, yeah. Angelo Matthews is in the squad, of course. Who, but one of the controversies going on in Sri Lankan cricket for the last uh, sort of month or so was his. Um, deposing from the one-day captaincy and, and dropping entirely over fitness issues, but I mean he's certainly a, a, a test-quality batsman that will, will strengthen there. Without a shadow of a doubt, I mean you, on on two levels you can't 
argue with the logic. I mean, he does seem to pull his hamstring every time he walks out the bat. And we did run the stats on his runouts, and it's not it's not inconceivable that he is involved with, in more than he should be. Uh, but that's not to say he's not worth his place. I mean, he's still head and shoulders one of the best cricketers that Sri Lanka have got available, and it's it's a relief to see him back in the in the squad. To be honest, because um, you know I like seeing him play. I think he's he's a, he's a quality quality player, and I'd, I'd rather see more of him than, than not. Mm. And this is a, um, England's first test series in Sri Lanka since 2012, I think, uh, which was a drawn series. But um, after after the muddle, we've just tried to uh, sort our way through. Who's going to win it? Predictions. Get out <laughs> of here. That's what I said to you. Whoever plays the least worst. At least two, <laughs> at least two wins to Sri Lanka. I don't see any draws, <laughs> despite okay. the rain. The rain well, that's that then, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that, you I mean, could have Gore, said the weather. But... Gore, <laughs> you, you have to, you've got to put money on, on Sri Lanka winning in Gaul, haven't you? Um, Rangana's... Herath's uh... last test, it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn. I mean, as, uh, as Miller said, if it turns that much, then England have got a, they've got a chance, haven't they? Um, low Joe score, Root Sixer in the, well, exactly. <laughs> in I mean, the second innings. Anything can happen under those circumstances, but I think if it's a, if it's a sort of a, just a normal Gaul pitch, then we'll have a work cutter. I mean, going back to that 2012 series, I mean, Harath destroyed England in that first test, and then KP produced one of his masterpieces in the second to square yeah. the series. And you it know, was an incredible. Impact, it yeah. was amazing. <laughs> and, you know, second only, second only to to Mumbai, I reckon. So it, it's 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 a um, you know, you're asking one of England's players to produce something KP-esque or failing KP reprise what Darren Goff managed to do in in 2001 and find a way to. To transcend the conditions with with canny bowling and you know reverse swing and all the things that all the boxer frogs that he brought to his game, I don't know whether England have got the savvy to produce well the, the brilliance on the one hand with the bat or the or the savvy with the ball. It's going to take something like that, and, and I, I'm not convinced. For all the merits of a very deep and multifaceted team, I think they're still lacking a, a spark of something brilliant. No pressure, Joe Denley. Uh, <laughs> away from the teardrop aisle, things have been getting all weepy in Australian cricket, uh, where it seems elite mateship alone won't cut it anymore. Um, I'm sure you've been enjoying all this, uh, gents, this week. The findings of the two cultural reviews have uh, highlighted various shortcomings in Cricket Australia's administration of the game and how that led up to the Cape Town ball tampering affair. Uh, it also led to the creation of a players' pact. Uh, for, for the Australian men's team, um, uh, possibly the women as well, but which, in, which concludes smile with us, fight on with us, dream with us. Uh, where does this leave the look on Butch's face? I'm glad this is being recorded. Where, where does this leave the Australian way, Butch? Uh, is it the end of the line for the line? Mate, I'm, I'm so, I'm so amused and so disappointed all at the same time. I mean, you know, I, poor Chapelli. I saw I saw some clips of Chapelli this week, and the poor man. He was a, he was broken. I mean, his beloved. They've been doing it all wrong for, they, for so all many this time. Years. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever happened to unbutton your shirt down to the waist, grow a massive moustache, sweat profusely, and just hammer people. You know, that's that's what we love Australian sport for. All of it. You know, even even the bad stuff. That's that's Australian sport. You know, this winning at all costs is suddenly a bad thing. Are you <laughs> kidding me? You know, yeah, they deserve to be punished for breaking for breaking the laws. Yes, for cheating, all those kind of things. But for crying out loud, you know, smile with us. 
and, 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 and we will do, it's like it's like Disney for crying out loud. I mean, they turn into the Disney. Green nothing thing. wrong with that. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But this, I mean, you know. <laughs> the, the sort of the, the, the politics of, of the boardroom has suddenly has, has dipped into the dressing room, and sport and and, uh, and and business are not the same thing. Not on the field, they're not. Um, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. It just it's extraordinary to me that that uh, a cricketing nation with the legacy of Lily and Dougie Waters and people like that, Ian Chappell himself. Um, have been reduced to this <laughs> nonsense, and it's kind of the self righteousness that they've always that, that Australian cricket has always had, which is kind of, you know it amuses us to to a point. You know, the, the policing the line, and we'll be the ones to tell you we've had our fun with, whether we're naughty or not, and, over the years. and we we play the game in the right way, and nobody else has quite got it sorted. I mean, we kind of love Australian cricket for that. That's all part of it, um, but it's but it's actually eaten itself. They have <laughs> they have literally gone up their own backsides and devoured themselves from within with this stuff, and it's um, it's it's astonishing and heartbreaking and hilarious to see. <laughs> are, you, are you rocked to the core, Miller? Are you, are you a you know? It's taking part of the council tomorrow. Aren't you? <laughs> well, well, when I'm playing for the camel, definitely. You know, um, look, it's hilarious on the one hand, but I, I imagine there are a fair few boards, uh, ECB not 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 least among them, that think they're there, but for the grace of God. I mean, you know, this none of this would have happened had it not been for a TV camera turning its attention on some nefarious dealings with a bit of sandpaper during a test match. And it has exposed the whole culture of overzealous goals and objectives and eyes yes. off eyes off eyes the shadow off, values shadow of, values um, and Australia. all that sort of nonsense i mean it, you know it's very it, you know it's very similar to the the culture review that british cycling had to go through uh, a couple of years ago for for similar sort of reasons that you know there there was a you know the, the, the bullying culture and all these other things that come out of it it really comes down to this this there is a a sense in which sport has, has lost its lost its core values i.e. you know it, it yeah you're right there is a certain degree of taking part has to be fun uh it's not a lot of fun it's certainly looking at the way england responded to the ashes last winter you know moe and ali's comments in his book as well just uh, there was a, there was very little fun to be had out of the competition that took place during that winter uh whether that's directly the fault of the players involved or the directly the fault of the board who knows but somewhere along the line someone has forgotten what really matters about sport and that's you know for all of the the nonsense um billboards going up in the in the, in the aussie dressing room at the moment something needs to be some 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 fun needs to be found again in in the way in which sport is is, is conducted i guess I, I don't i don't disagree with any of that but i but i'm pretty sure that sort of emasculating your uh, your elite as that seems to be the the, the watchword at the moment um, yes. Your elite um, standard-bearing sports team, which is what the Australian cricket team is, you know, you know it's kind of it's it's their version of our standard-bearing football team. Is that right? We did it's get to like a World Cup semi-final, but it's the equivalent, you know, and and kind of turning them into a to a, you know, a play school, mm. um, you know, with with happy clappiness going on inside the dressing room. Even if well, it, even if that's just for optics, even if that's just for the benefit of the public outside, and everything remains the same inside, it's just nonsense. Well, that that that's a point. Going back to the, the, the ECB, what they will learn from this is that a lot of what the ECB are up to at the moment with their, all their machinations about the hundred and trying to find ways to, They're to not make the game. That at the moment. Oh, they certainly aren't. Indeed, no. the, the new competition, as it was as a euphemistically termed the other day. But mm. the point being that they're trying oh. to find a way. 
to reframe the whole game to appeal to participation and what and, and mums and kids and all the people who maybe are put off by the by the t- t- testosterone driven aspects of elite sport. The trouble is, as you say, if you if you assume that you you can use your your top end as part of a, some sort of wider recruitment scheme, you're 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 losing what makes that sharp end sharp. <laughs> so you know, that, and again, that, that's kind of the problem England are going to have next or in 2020. Where if yeah. they if they are trying to water down the entire of English cricket in order to make it more palatable to grassroots again, which on one hand is laudable, um, you know, where, what's what what of those people who are actually naturally competitive and, and feel like they want to get a little bit more out of their participation that's, than just I mean that's just a that, that, that is the key, isn't it? And and people have understood this as far as I'm aware. Um, you know, throughout the ages of sport, that yes, there is, there is, there's room for participation. There's room for giving everybody a go, but there's also room for wanting to to tear your opposition's legs off and win. You know, that's right. kind of that's what makes it what it is. And you you don't get to you don't get to be the best in the world at anything by kind of ignoring that side of it. Um, and so asking your, as I've said before, asking asking your sort of your the spearhead, the sort of the vanguard of your of your sport to kind of tone itself down into a into a, a pleasing and cuddly um, version of itself is not doing you any favours. It's really not. Uh, and, and well, Australia's sharp end um, hasn't been too sharp since uh, <laughs> since sort of um, the changes in attitude and leadership and so on. Uh, obviously, lost over here in their one day uh, visit uh, at a tough time in the UAE, although they they did get a heroic draw out of uh, the first test. Um, and now they've got a summer at home uh, against India, which mm. is usually <laughs> usually quite a feisty affair. Yeah. Um, how long will Australia's fans tolerate? Um, Losing uh, well, games how long, whilst playing. How long, the, how long playing will the players on the field tolerate it? You know, I mean, this is the thing. You, you can't imagine that that Virat Kohli and, and his team are going to take a, knowing that that Australia aren't allowed to fight back. You know, mm. uh, there's, a, there's a movie that, that springs to mind, but it's just, just vaguely just popped out of my head. But, you know, where where, <laughs> if you, where if you know the opposition isn't going to come back at you with anything. Ah, oh, I know what it was. Slap shot. Paul Newman. Charlestown Chiefs, they got all the way through to the playoff <laughs> final by battering the crap out of everybody. And then for the final, they decided they were going to play it, you know, play it old time hockey and they got killed. Um, anyway, so sorry. Classic Look it up. Millennial great content. Film, great this, film, uh, great it, film it, from the 70s. Not, not dissimilar <laughs> to Eng- England rugby in, in 1991. They, um, they, they, they played their own, their own way all the way to Stick the final. Stick up the jumper. Stick it up the jumper all the way to the final, yeah. then, then got baited by Ken Paisley to try and play an open, expansive game. And got killed. And got killed. Yeah. So well, you, you know, go. you've got to stick to you've your got to be stick values. So, so you, you know, in, India are going to do their very best, I imagine, to kind of bait Australia out of, uh, out of this sort of, this, this, um, pleasant behaviour. And we'll see. I think it's going to be an awesome series because Australia, because India, Having, having lost in England and having played at times extremely well in England but got beaten, you know, the scoreline was, was perhaps flattering to England but England deserved to win the series. They will have learned an enormous amount from that. They'll see an Australian side that is there for the taking. They have a captain who is batting on a completely different plane from, uh, from, from the, rest of the rest of the planet at the moment and they will feel that there's a real opportunity for them to, to, to beat this Australian team. Um, so... Fireworks. There will be them. <laughs> there will be. <laughs> You've heard it here. It's, uh, that's been that's been guaranteed, uh, and evidently uh, we've heard where nice guys finish um, in the race. So that's obviously the conclusion of this week's week. <laughs> um, I think that just about 
uh, wraps things up. Uh, the clocks have gone back, uh, the knights are drawing in and, uh, um, well, watching footage of England getting flogged in inhospitable foreign climes, or perhaps Australia getting flogged, uh, is just about the only way to keep warm uh, for us from here on out. So, short of emigrating to Australia, but um, no more mentions of Nasha. My thanks to <laughs> Miller and Butch, uh, who won't be going anywhere. And to you all, for, literally, Welcome in to this bed room... Early to get up uh, yeah. at 4 o'clock in the morning on uh, And to you all for tuning in, uh, this is still the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. Mm-hmm.